The following program is brought to you by the Tennessee Broadband Association. Lead Tennessee Radio, conversations with the leaders moving our state forward. We look at the issues shaping Tennessee's future, rural development, public policy, broadband, health care, and other topics impacting our communities. And now, here's your host of Lead Tennessee Radio, Lavoy Knowles. Hello, I'm Lavoy Knowles, the Executive Director of the Tennessee Broadband Association. Our guest today is Senator Ken Yeager, who is also the Senate Majority Caucus Chairman. Senator Yeager, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm flattered you ask. Uh, Senator Yeager represents Campbell, Fentress, Morgan, Ray, Roan, Pickett, and Scott counties in the Tennessee Senate. He serves on a number of committees, including the important Finance, Ways, and Means Committee, as well as the Ethics Committee. He and his wife make their home in Kingston. They have two children, and they're very involved in their community and the church. Senator Yeager, let's start with our conversation today, talking about your upbringing and what led you to the um, uh, your first exposure to the political process. I've spent uh, my entire adult life in East Tennessee in Roan County, where I actually started uh, my first job as a school teacher in uh, in Roan County, and my well a long time ago. My since my mid twenties, I've lived in East Tennessee now. When I was in grade school coming up, I went was in, in uh, lived in West Tennessee for a short time uh, in Benton County in Camden, uh, where I went to uh, uh, what they called middle school now, what we call junior high school then. Um, and I, I mention that only to tell you that that is probably my exposure to the political science and and uh, my the political process. I believe you asked me right. Um, and it, I have to give the credit for my interest in politics to my eighth grade uh, middle school teacher, uh, Miss Mary Lester Campbell. Can I say her name? You sure I, can. Uh, Absolutely. I, I, she has since passed away, but uh, w- when I was in her class, uh, it, uh, it uh, coincided with a presidential election. And do not ask me what year. <laughs> uh, 1960, the, the, the famous uh, Nixon-Kennedy race. And she used that presidential election to teach history to us. And it just clicked with me. And I got interested in politics because of the influence of my eighth grade school teacher. Interesting. Well, thank you for those comments. And I did not know you were a um, former teacher. My wife's a former teacher, and I res- respect the profession. It's a very difficult position. And well, I taught, I taught with the Harriman schools, which has since merged into the county, and I taught 7th and 8th grade, again, uh, middle school students. And I tell people, if you can teach middle school, you can do anything. That's right. Very difficult age. As we said earlier, you serve as the Senate Majority Caucus Chairman. Can you describe us the responsibilities in this leadership position? Well, first of all, let me say that there's really we don't have a, a job description for the position. I believe the House does, but we don't have one in the Senate. So uh, my primary job is it's my responsibility to make sure that uh, our our incumbent senators are reelected. And in this election cycle in 2020, we have 15 incumbents running for reelection. I'm pleased to say they're all running for re-election, and it's my job to help them get re-elected. And the primary thing that I do for them uh, is fundraising. You know, right, uh, right. As, as probably you well know, I've, we 
we've been very active in our fundraising and done very well. But that's those. And then, of course, I, I work with caucus members. Uh, if, if there's a problem they may be experiencing, I try to work through it with them and, and keep all of us, you know, on the same page as a caucus on most of the major issues. Right. You have a history of public service, which includes 24 years as Roan County Executive. How did your, your experience in county government help you prepare for the state Senate? Well, thank you for that question. If I've had any success as a senator, it's been because of my experience in local government. As you said, I just served a long time as county ex- mayor, or the, back then they called it county executive. And before that, I was the county attorney for a one four-year term. And, and uh, I r- really got my training there because, number one, county government is closer. Is You know, you, you don't have the insulation you do serving in the state office. Correct. And so I was able to get out, and I really have an understanding of what the needs of— of the people uh, by serving, you know, uh, in local government. And of course, you know, local government is a political subdivision of the state. I've really got an understanding of the responsibilities that we have and, and our, and our, uh, relationship with the legislature in Nashville. Uh, and so it really, uh, helped me, uh, when I came to the Senate. And also one other thing is that, uh, I learned how to work with people. You know, the, the legislature, in my opinion, is a very relational body. You have to, if you really want to get legislation through, you got to work with people to do it. Right. And I got to have, I had 24 years experience of that, working with the local county commission, the county legislative body, trying to get my resident what back they weren't bills we'd call them resolutions. Right. Passed, and I probably had about a 95 percent success rate during those years, but it was because I always included the commissioners in the discussions and worked with them. And I've tried to do that in the Senate. You know, uh, Howard Baker taught me, you don't surprise people. I try not to do that, and I try to work with them. So, yes, it was a big experience uh, for me, and it helped me a lot. Great. Great answer. Uh, I would say, too, that um, you have a very – your your relationship with your folks back home is, is also a very evident – through your the fall uh, activity you have in the fund in the um, grant writing forum, yeah. that and I'm still getting emails from you on various things about how our, some of our members might benefit from grants. So you don't just help during session. You're you're a senator all year long. And well, we, that, we appreciate you know, that. I and I tell people it's not just it's we have a part time legislature which is good, but the job is full time. If it's it's what you make it, and I just. And I think it's just very important to get out and help. I have, I have seven counties. And if you've listened to my message on my phone, seven of the finest counties in East Tennessee and the Upper Cumberland. And I just I, I really try to help my counties. And the grants conference is really another example of my, you know, I knew how important it was to apply for grants when I was county executive. And so I try to have these uh, conferences every other year to, when we bring the people from Nashville to, to the district and tell folks how to have uh, uh, competitive applications for right. jobs. And we do. That's a new feature we've started. We continue the discussion after the conference when we hear things you need to know. Right. It's very effective. I'm totally impressed how you yeah. handle that uh, process. I would say, too, that you're you're uh, representing two or three of our members. Most of those counties you serve, we have a member in those counties, and they all appreciate your service, your leadership, and the ability to come in and, and speak with you when they have an issue coming up, and you always listen. Yeah, I thank you. 
uh, I know we have several co-ops, telephone and electric co-ops in yes. my district. And electric co-ops, for example, uh, uh, supply probably s- several of the counties in they my do. district. And then the telephone co- co-ops, in the no- particularly in the northern part of the district. So there, right. co-ops are very important in my county, and, and I try to take care of them, look after them. And, and you're very effective, and we appreciate all your help. Uh, we're proud of the AAA bond rating our state has earned. As a member of the Joint Physical Review Committee, uh, talk about Tennessee's physical strength and why you believe it's so important. Well, you know, it's. Uh, I don't want to be like uh, some of the. Well, I don't. I, I don't want to be like a state like Illinois, that spends all its time figuring out how to pay the interest on the debt and can't fund their pension programs for their retirees. I don't ever want us to get to that shape. Uh, And we're not going to in Tennessee because we have had historically uh, governors who were sound financial managers and legislatures who took their job seriously. And in in the last 10 years where I've been here, I've been blessed to have uh, Governor Bredesen, uh, Governor Haslam, and now Governor Lee. And then we have always tried to be uh, uh, conservative, prudent, in our expenditures and, and, and to avoid debt, that trap that has right. ensnared Illinois, my so example, you know, or some of these states where they're, they're captive to their interest payments. It's, uh, I'm proud of the fact that, you know, Tennessee's been designated by U.S. News and World Report the best financially managed state in the nation. That That's impressive. It is impressive, and we, we've worked hard to do it, and I would love to sit here and take full credit for it. I can only take a very small part of the credit because, as I said, we've had good governors before us that have been responsible, and, and Tennessee has generally had good leadership. We've been blessed with that. Uh, and, of course, the current leadership, Governor Lee, is, is, is carrying that tradition on. And, uh, and uh, our Speaker of the Senate, uh, Randy McNally, who chaired the, the Finance, Ways, and Means Committee for many years during this period, uh, understand how important it is. You know, And the amazing thing about it is that we're a low-tax state, but because we're well-managed, we're able to make the kind of appropriations we need to make, the largest appropriations to, to, to education in the history. We're right. making it this year, and, and it, each year we break the previous year's record. Uh, we're able to do that. Uh, one area that I'd like to see us do more in is in, in, in broadband. We do we do have a, a, a grant fund that is being increased, right. and I hope we continue that and continue to add to it because, you know, it's uh, if we're going to fix the problem, we're, we're going to have to have more money. Right. We need to fix it. No. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, what particular challenge? You mentioned the broadband uh, crisis in some areas, but what particular challenges do you see facing the rural population of our state? Well, the uh, infrastructure costs, uh, in, uh, in, which would include, of course, the first thing that comes to mind is roads, but economic development infrastructure. You know, some of the, the rural counties also happen to be some of the poorer counties. Your right. distressed counties are r- the rural, some of the rural counties. Uh, and so finding the funds to m- make sure that they be- become competitive are very important and, and I really appreciate Governor Lee's interest in he, he's recognized this and through his budget he's trying to find additional funding for rural particularly distressed counties yes all of our members appreciate his efforts as well he's yeah he's started out to a great start he has 
The Tennessee Broadband Association is comprised of cooperative and small independent telecommunications companies that are investing millions of dollars in our fiber networks across the state, largely in the rural areas. In fact, uh, our companies have committed to over $400 million for the years 2020 through 2022. So we're making a huge commitment as well. But what role do you see as broadband playing in rural development? Oh, a significant role. I mean, it's an, it is not a luxury. It is a requirement right. uh, in, in these counties that that need to 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 become more competitive and need need assistance. I mean, where do you want to start in education? You know, you know, I, I get stories of. Uh, uh, from parents where they drive their kids into town close to to the McDonald's or the local library where they have Wi-Fi in order so their kids can uh, uh, do their assignments. So it's so important. Health care, you know, the, the emerging concept of telehealth, right. uh, which will bring uh, medical uh, choices uh, to rural counties. Absolutely. Uh, that's so important. Uh, and then industrial recruitment. You know, industry not going to come to a county if they don't have broadband. Exactly. You know, they're just right. not going to do it. Right. Um, and so, oh, and in every way, it's critical. Every way. And I appreciate uh, the, the Broadband Association for the, you know, the way you've come together and, and, and becoming a voice for the industry. Uh, it is very, very important. We've got to continue this discussion, and we're headed in the right direction. You know, it's a very expensive proposal. It is. But it is something that we have to do. If we're going to remain competitive, not only as a county, I think I've used that to describe counties, but as a state. state right. Absolutely. And, and thank you for your comments. As an association, you mentioned health care, but we believe access to health care is vital to the well-being of Tennessee's residents, and broadband plays a critical role in expanding health care across uh, the state through telemedicine technology. That's why we are working on a statewide telehealth initiative. In your view, how, do you, how important is broadband and telemedicine in increasing access to care, especially in rural areas? Oh, I think it is. It, it plays a critical, a, a vital role because in some of the rural areas, this is the only access that you will have to maybe some of your 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 clinics or your doctors in the cities. It's maybe that people in Palm Mall may be able to talk to a doctor in Cookville, for Absolutely. example, right. that they could never see otherwise. Just right. to pull an example out for you, there, it's uh, it is a very important role, and uh, uh, we. And just as I said a moment ago, just another reason why we need to really emphasize uh, the expansion of broadband. Right. I think telemedicine is, is really one way to kind of reinvent rural health care yes. in some ways. In some ways. Yes. You can still contact with your doctor, still stay in, stay in close contact with what he's uh, checking you for, but at the same time not have to go to the distant yeah. city or whatever. Got it. I agree completely. Um, tell us about your family and why you think it's important – as a father, to create opportunities to keep our young folks in Tennessee. Yes. Um, family's very important to me. I'm blessed with a fine and patient wife who allows me to be gone most of the time. Uh, but I'll, I, as an aside, I, you know, I, actually I was recruited to run for the Senate many years ago, but I declined because my kids were home in school and I wasn't going to leave uh, and come to Nashville until my kids were out of high school and in college, you know, and after they got into school, then uh, I, I got into politics and ran for office, and here I am. But I just wanted to throw that out there because it's 
it's so very important. Um, and I, I'm blessed with, as I said, a fine wife and two children. Um, both of those have done well in the education system. Um, and that's that's the first thing we need to do to keep our children in Tennessee is to get them properly educated, K through 12, and then higher education. It is absolutely essential that our children are offered the best opportunities in our K through 12 system. And you know, education is is a a, a people. Uh, uh, it's a people organization. It's 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 you know it's made up of teachers that right. require salaries and. And, and, and so it stands to sense, stands to good reason then that that's why if you're going to have good education, you're going to have to spend some money. That's exactly You're right. going to have to spend some money. And I'm pleased with Governor Lee's investments that he's willing to make this year, you know, to, to make sure that our teachers re- receive a minimum salary, I, I believe, of 38000 that will go to $40,000. I'm really – that's very innovative, and I'm glad he's doing that and that we're trying to get a 4% raise for all of our school teachers in Tennessee. Uh, because it's it's just a labor intensive profession, and if you're going to talk, if, you, you got to walk the talk. We're going to have to find funds for public education, and, and and Governor Lee has done that this year with his appropriation recommendations. Right, I, I think foundations uh, education is the foundation for keeping folks in the in the state. You got to have them educated in a job for them to. to live at and make a living for their family once they get finished. That's but, uh, right. I mean, you, you look at the statistics, the higher the level of education you have, the less likely you are to, to be unemployed, the less likely you are to be uninsured, the less likely you are to go to jail, the higher the education level. If you look at those numbers, I've seen them and they're amazing. And it's just important that we uh, make sure we, they get the best possible start in in secondary level and then post-secondary you know our, we have some wonderful four-year schools here in the state but we have a great network of uh, colleges of applied technology and uh, community colleges where they can go tuition free uh, and what one of the most significant bills that I voted on in, since I've been in the legislature is the reconnect act it allows adults who never for whatever reason didn't have a chance to go to college and can now do that. And if I can draw from a local example, Roan State Community College, which serves uh, five of the count- my seven counties, I believe, four or five, five I believe it is, uh, <clears throat> has had a 30% increase in their enrollment because of Reconnect. That's great. And I think that's fantastic to let these folks get back and get an education for whatever reason they didn't have a chance to get. It's so very important because education changes lives. Your TCATs and your your community college and your four-year schools are life-changing institutions, the way I look at it. So we need to support these schools in every way that we can. And I think that Tennessee promises one of, and then later reconnect is one of the finest things we have done, one of the most important votes I've taken. Yes. Because we we're some, helping people. We've made some great strides in education we in sure the last have. four, five, six years. Yes, we have. What are some of the other challenges you see ahead for the state, and what issues are you particularly excited about tackling in this session? All right. Oh, goodness. Wow. <laughs> could be a bunch. Oh, it could. Uh, I don't think we have time. But uh, <laughs> I will tell you one of the challenges that we have as a state, uh, if I can get very uh, serious, somber here, is that uh, you know we've got to do something to bring down the, um, 
the, the recidivism, recidivism rate in our prison system. Absolutely. We've got to do that, and that's of great interest to me, but I guess because of my work on uh, state and local government committee that has res- jurisdiction over the corrections budget, I've seen it for years. I've seen that budget grow gradually in the last 10 years, and we now spend over a billion, with a B, a billion dollars a year uh, to incarcerate about 30,000 prisoners, men and women. And unfortunately, half of those will come back again. Uh, Probably 95%, about 95% of the men and women in prison uh, will get out. About 5% are lifers. But of those 95%, about half of them are going to... So going to come back, wow. and we we're we've got to do a better job preparing these inmates for reentry, which means that we've got to make sure that we can offer them programs to at least the minimal training. You know, how, well, the the most basic that they get a well, what I would call a GDED, but I believe they call it high set now. You know, we make sure they get that. You know, before they get out, and then we offer them training. You know, there are some good examples. I know in my district, Huntsville, Oneida, because they have such a good welding program, uh, they they actually uh, uh, are able to um, uh, offer. Let me back up because the Morgan County Regional Correction Facility has such a good welding program. They happen to meet all the requirements of the Huntsville Oneida, Huntsville Oneida TCAT. And so we've, we have an agreement with that school, the prison does, that if you successfully complete the program at the prison, Huntsville Oneida will give you a diploma. Oh, wow. That is exciting. It is exciting. It's a great precedent we're setting there. And, uh, and so those men and women, who uh, primarily men there uh, at, from Morgan County, but they're going to leave prison with a diploma in welding if they get into the program. That is great. Uh, here in Middle Tennessee, I believe we have some. David Lipsum offers some associate degree programs where I've, I have visited those students who've received through the David Lipscomb. They've received associate degrees. These are the things that we need to be doing at every every prison in our state. Exactly. To get these folks better, because if they can't find a job, they're going to go right back to how they made their money before illegally, and they'll be back in jail. And it cost us several thousand a year to support those. And then let me say, too, you know, for those that are trained, that we've offered training, get out. we've got to change our thinking as citizens of this state. We've got to be more receptive, you know. You know, we've got the stigma of going to prison has to be erased so we can get these inmates or ex-inmates into jobs. You know, uh, it's, um, if, if, I believe if you've paid your debt to society, to use that old expression, you've paid your debt. And we ought to allow these folks an opportunity to apply for jobs. And, and of course, private sector jobs, that's up to the private sector. But I would encourage anybody that we've got to change that stigma and, and give these men and women a chance. Great comments. Totally agree with that. What We've got to keep them employed paying taxes and that's exactly right and, and eventually we got we got to get them voting too you know right that's probably a whole nother podcast but uh, <laughs> i'm just really passionate about that if we're going you know if we've just got it we can't continue to operate on the model that we are currently operating the taxpayers can't afford it that's right i mean we how long do you want to what's it going to be in 10 years from now two billion dollars 
on if we don't make the change. But we are blessed with Governor Lee's leadership and his commitment to rehabilitate uh, uh, inmates. We are blessed there, and I think we're going to see changes. I agree. Was there anything else you'd like to talk about today before we kind of wrap things up? Um. Well, I enjoy my service in the Senate. As I said, I think my background in local government has helped me. I'm very constituent-oriented. Uh, uh, I, I enjoy it very much, and uh, I, I wouldn't trade my rural district for any in the state. It's just an honor to serve. Well, it's an, an honor to uh, work with folks that are your constituents, and uh, everyone you talk to respect you to utmost, and they're they're so proud that you're in the leadership position you're in because you have the— the wherewithal to make a difference, and you are, and you, and, and the votes you're taking, folks look at those votes, and and you're doing exceptionally well. Everybody's well, I appreciate pleased. that. I appreciate that. Tell all that to my wife. Well, you okay? okay. We no, thank we, we appreciate her letting uh, us borrow yeah, you. That, no, that, I was that, kidding. That, I couldn't have a finer wife. Oh, yeah, I, I know. I've met her. She's not. Right, she's, okay. she's great. Um, again, I'm Lavoie Knowles, and this episode of Lead Tennessee Radio is brought to you by the Tennessee Broadband Association cooperative and independent companies connecting our state's rural communities and beyond with world-class broadband. Thank you for listening and helping us share these conversations with the people leading Tennessee forward. Thank you.